Welcome to Private Club Radio, your weekly source for industry education, news and discussion. Broadcasting from Tampa, Florida, ladies and gentlemen, here is your host, Gabriel Aloisi. What do you say to those members who are always complaining about the green speed or the club down the street has better fairways or better bunkers? What do you say to those guys? Well, we're going to learn what to say from the gentleman over at Golf Maintenance Solutions on today's edition of Board Chats brought to you by Concert Golf Partners. It's a really intriguing chat that I have with these gentlemen, and I've just been fascinated by golf course maintenance for about the last six months, ever since I joined this Facebook group, really, which you'll hear me talk about during that interview. Now, before we bring those guys on, I want to remind you that this is the last week. This is your last call to pick up your copy of the ABCs of Plutonium Private Club Leadership at our special pre-order price. Head over to plutonium.club. That's the website where you can purchase the book at that special pre-order price. And you can actually download the first two samples on us. So you can check it out and see if it's for you. I think it will be because it's really for all private club leaders out there. The wealth of information, the depth and breadth of what we cover in that book is unmatched. There's never been a book like it. We've got 16 contributors from all over the private club industry talking about every topic that you can imagine. So the website is plutonium.club. Get your free sample. See if it's for you. And I hope that you'll pick up your copy, not only for yourself, but for your board and for your committees. And now it's time for Board Chats, presented by Concert Golf Partners. A behind-the-scenes look inside real boardrooms with special guest Peter Nanula. Well, welcome to another edition of Board Chats presented by Concert Golf Partners. It's real-world experiences inside the club boardroom so you can see exactly what goes down behind those doors. We're dealing with board strategy and management issues, and it's your behind-the-scenes look that's brought to you every month here on Private Club Radio by Concert Golf Partners, who bring capital and operating expertise to preserve and enhance private clubs. I'm joined, as always, by Peter Nanula. And uh, Peter, how are things going at Concert, and what's new in your world? Lots of things happening. Things are good. Uh, lots of rain in California after wildfire, so you got to wonder. Uh, I'm looking out my window at you know record rainfall. So I'm sure our guest today, Golf Maintenance Solutions, can talk to us about some of the weather issues. But yeah, you know, all 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 the usual. Gabe uh, added another club in Florida. I think we mentioned yep. recently, and plantation, so we're in the midst yeah. of the transition. Yeah, Plantation Golf and Country Club in Venice, Florida. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. And then I wanted to have these guys at Golf Maintenance Solutions on today because I figure if a company like ours has agronomy issues all the time and I'm in boardrooms talking to Greens Committee members about agronomy, I would say the collective IQ about agronomy is about zero. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get some guys who are really experts at agronomy on your show so we can, you know, help to educate Greens Committee members, board members about the biggest asset every club has. Yeah, I'm I'm fascinating right now with with agronomy and greenskeeping because I joined this group on Facebook called Golf Course Maintenance, and it's just unbelievable the things that the greenskeepers and and the maintenance crews go through on a daily basis. It's really eye-opening for me. Just they wake up and there's some new problem, something new disease on the grass, some animal that's attacked, some 
storm that swept through and it's 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 unbelievable and it's people all over the world so right now I'm, I'm i'm really interested in the subject so i'm glad to have these guys on so we have dean wachowski and bill naroff of golf maintenance solutions and bill and dean i'd love for you just to give us a little background on you guys and your company um dean you want to start off yeah thank thanks gabe uh, our company has been in business really since 2003 for so about 16 years uh, I've been in the business uh, a long, long time. I, I started out in uh, basically with a company in 1980, 1981 called American Golf Corporation. With Corporation, and of course they're on the west. They're a West Coast company, but we're across the country. And I worked with them for 19 years, and then Bill and I got together and started our company in 2003. We're currently we're, we're still together, so still working together. Uh, great company. We've gone from as much as 75 courses, and, and now we're currently at, in, in about 52. So continue to grow our company up and down based on the need at the prop- the properties throughout the country. So uh, enjoy it. Love this business. Been in it a long time, longer than probably uh, dirt itself. So, But I love the business itself, <laughs> nice. too. So. How about you, Bill? What's your background? Well, as Dean said, uh, we, I knew Dean when I worked also with uh, a management company, American Golf, and uh, was with them for 20-some years as a superintendent and a regional superintendent and became a director of maintenance. Uh, David, or Dean's been modest. He, he had 60-some clubs he oversaw for the company, and I had uh, about the same. And then when Dean and I uh, started the business up about 16 years ago, uh, really we were trying to fill a need in the industry, we felt, for good agronomic advice to owners and to board members and to GMs to try to help support them uh, through all the challenges that are on the golf courses. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, like I said, there, there seems to be a, quite a plethora of challenges. There's no lack of that. So I think you guys will probably be in business for a long yeah. time. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I would think so. <laughs> today, I wanna, uh, we're going to go through some of your top agronomy tips so that the greens committees out there, those folks uh, sitting at the boardroom talking about the greens at their club, have some ideas of, of uh, what, what some of the best practices are. So could you guys start off with uh, give me some of your best tips here on on best practices for greens? Well, one of, one of the things that that we get questioned all the time is about about green speed, and uh, you know what that should be, and the course down the road is a thirteen or fourteen, and why aren't we at that green speed? But when we look at green speed with superintendents or or dig down on that, uh, we make sure just as important what's below the ground above the ground is also good too but it's consistency we want to make sure that if if it's a private club if it's one of peter's clubs that if if it, they're supposed to be rolling 11 and 11 is that good good speed then make sure it's rolling 11 every day so that a member or a guest comes into the property it's not one day at eight and it's one day at 13 it, you're not satisfied but if you know if they're 11 every day you show up at that club and play that's really what the member or the guest is looking for so you do all those inputs all those different things to those greens, from verticutting to mowing height to top dressing to rolling to make sure that you're achieving that 11. And I think that's really important when it comes to green speed. I don't right. know if you'd agree with that, Bill. No, absolutely. I think it's when you look at you know golf courses in general, and certainly, uh, Gabe, you alluded to it before, is that you know the challenge is, is that every golf course is different. Everyone has different environmental conditions different, maybe different turf types, things that a challenge that a superintendent is up against trying to make a green, you know, as Dean talked about, uh, green speed is consistent. 
So, you know, it's it's important for that superintendent to understand what that, uh, I guess, expectation is and then manage to that. I've always told the Greens chairman, I said, okay, they said, well, we want them faster, we want them faster. I, I always just tell them, I said, just remember, dirt rolls about 13 if you roll it out pretty good. So <laughs> you don't want to get them to the point where you start losing a bunch of grass, too. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be a constant a constant battle. And, and what about courses that have 27 or 36 holes? I, I got to imagine it might even be more of a battle at that point. When, and I'll speak that a little bit. You know, certainly economy of scale when you're – doing 18 holes and you move into a 36-hole property or a 54-hole property, um, it does, you know, compound the issues of things you have to look at. And because property of that size is spread out even more, you certainly have more environmental conditions you're looking for. But as Dean talked about, as long as you're consistent on your practices, cultural practices, and you don't sway one way or another at times and you get those done, it helps the superintendent be more consistent. Uh, with the green speeds or green conditions. Yeah, yeah. I bet that one of the big complaints is probably like, well, the putting green doesn't run the same way the greens do out there. I, I hear that one quite a bit. I'm sure you guys do too. Yeah, that's, but that's important. That's, a, that's an important step from a superintendent's perspective that, that they are matching up putting green speeds with golf course condition speeds. It's, and, and those practices or those inputs should be exactly the same. Yeah. It, that, that's pretty darn important. I think the one you hear a lot of is that why does the golf course down the road not airify as much as, as us? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, that's like, one of, you know, that's one of those ones out there. And it all goes down to, I tell you how we kind of end up probably snuffing that a little bit. When we go into a property, very early in taking over a property, is we'll go in and do some benchmarking with physical property testing. So what we do is we test the soils below the ground at one-inch increments, and it gives us the scientific information that we need to find out if this is an old green, a new green, based on how it drains, how, how the organic matter below the ground is. And that, how, that defines our, our cultural practices. So that tells us whether we need to aerify two times, three times, and it takes out all the subjectivity that you get in, you know, the guy down the road is aerifying more or less. It, it tells you exactly based on that how much you should be aerifying, and I think that helps kind of uh, snuff that then. You don't have to get into this subjective discussion, but it, it's, it's more objective because it's based on the science then. And it, that really helps with the greens, greens board when you start getting in there into a board meeting and how many times you aerify. So that's good information, and we use that on a lot of our properties. I like that a lot. I know one of your other tips is to make the best and the most of the Green Committee meeting. So how do you recommend people go about doing that? Uh, interesting, because th this is a good one, because a, a lot of times you get into, it, gets, it can get mundane, because, again, you were talking about this earlier, that you can get real technical, and then you kind of lose everybody. But we recommend, and we've done this with the Greens Committee, and with the superintendent, of course, and gone right out on the golf course. So we do field trips. You take them out on the golf course, you go right to maybe one of the greens that's been talked about in the board meetings before the greens committee meetings, and you, and you go to that green, you talk about what the inputs, the things that you do. We've had gone into bunkers, played out of bunkers. We've gone into maintenance buildings. So you go and have your, your greens committee meeting right at the maintenance building in the lunchroom. So that way you get the, the green committee to understand what the superintendent's going through, whether it's size of building, whether it's infrastructure on the golf course. It's really a good way to kind of touch and feel what you talk about in, in, inside the clubhouse. So we, we thought that to be a good best practice. 
I love that. It, I love that. Dean, it's, uh, <laughs> it can backfire also on you. And I say this in a funny way. We had a club that I was at that we were meeting out on one of the, the greens we were having to struggle with. And it was going to be a bigger meeting with kind of the same thing Dean talked about traveling through the property. Well, we go out, uh, the manager and I uh, go out to the, the golf course to the green. And here we have 40 members standing on this green that's struggling. So it was one of those situations like, hey, everyone come over here. Come off this green. Because <laughs> they were adding to that issue. <laughs> Can't imagine. <laughs> well, that's great. Um, I'm blame. Yeah, the, um, the one of your next tips is to have an agronomy plan. I assume you walk into a lot of clubs and, and they don't, they're not operating with any type of plan. Tell me about that one. Yeah, there's definitely some inconsistencies there. And, uh, and, and I'm not going to mention clubs, but the highest of highest end clubs we were interviewing for uh, positions. And uh, the one superintendent, uh, said some we go well, well how do you uh, how do you make sure that you get your golf course better from the agronomy perspective each year he goes it's all up here and he points to his head and we go okay <laughs> and this guy was a, a well-respected guy so what we try to do is we try to get the superintendent to build an agronomy roadmap so they build a greens tees fairways and 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 other and they build that plan with with uh products you know fertility uh, chemicals, and they build that plan. Each one of those those, those uh, features of the golf course, and then then we'll we'll steer it 15 degrees to the right or left each year based on what we see out in the field. Weather plays a big role in that, but you got to have that roadmap. So what if that superintendent leaves, and all of a sudden he takes his what what he thinks is his plan with them? If you have an agronomy roadmap that that's really part of the property then that plan stays at the property and the next superintendent can use some of that or at least have good historical information. So we, we believe in that. All our superintendents at our property certainly have that. And it's, it's in a workbook fashion and we use it a lot. So oh, it helps funny. us. Peter, do you, do you guys have some of those types of plans at your clubs? Yeah, we do. I, I would say when, early on when we met Dean and Bill's group, that was one of the key things that, that we learned. I mean, we have great supers, who are well-educated and have done a great job at a lot of different golf courses all over the country, uh, and we get best practices from all of our guys. But I would say the implementation of consistent agronomic plans is definitely an advantage that a company like ours has, whereas you go, like they're saying, go to a lot of clubs that I meet with, and they always say the same thing. We have the best superintendent in the state. Yeah, We have the best golf course in the yeah. state. Just don't mess it up. <laughs> and then we get in there and we find out things like, like Dean and Bill are saying. There, there is no plan. They're, they're not maintaining certain longer-term cultural practices. And all of a sudden you've got, you know, root system issues that come back to haunt and things that these guys can talk to better than I can. But having a consistent plan, I would think, is, is lesson number one for, for Greens committees. Yeah. And a good plan is not spraying every five days. So your your plan needs to have a balance of agronomy, financial, uh, so that, you know, that person is just not doing whatever the salesperson wants to sell. It's got to be well thought out. There's there's a lot with different products and how you do chemical mode of action. So, so it, it should be a well thought out plan with still a sense of financials in mind, too. So very, very important. Well, the, the, sounds like the, the theme I'm hearing here is consistency is critical. So that's, that's a great lesson for everyone out there. But you don't have it all stuck in your super's head. That's, that's not the place for knowledge to be. It's got to be yeah. somewhere 
so everybody can access it. And Gabe, one, yep. one more one more point on that too uh, is, especially for younger superintendents, it, it's critical because they're, you know, they're and, and we want to see successful young superintendents, and having that plan in place, that roadmap really helps them, and they're not just relying sometimes to the detriment from salespeople that come in the door. Yeah, absolutely, because they're going to have their own agendas, that's for sure. What is the biggest capital expense of a, of a private club in terms of agronomy, guys? Well, bunkers. I mean, we see yeah. it all the time that, you know, bunkers have been, uh, you know, they're, everyone says they're a hazard. Well, yes, but they're the big playability of a golf course are the bunkers. And we see where, you know, lack of maintenance or lack of focus has really turned bunkers into a bigger capital improvement, and all of a sudden it's you know where it might have been just you know three or four thousand dollars a year to keep the sand up or keep that labor into them. Now it becomes a uh, half a million dollars worth of fix. Yeah, we have, I remember we had courses in in Texas that we we would put these tasking studies together for labor, and each rain event because the bunkers were so bad, they'd spend eighty hours man hours repairing bunkers wow. they were already bad and they still were bad after they fixed them so re- rebuilding bunkers and they've got some some outstanding liners that, that that are out there in the business the industry now that you can use that are really beneficial and that's probably one of the biggest things on capital that we've seen out there yeah i was actually just at a club in uh northwest indiana last week and that was they were they were going to start having the maintenance crew track their time because they were trying to figure out, well, is it worth us, you know, putting that capital investment into the course? And the, of course, the greenskeeper is like, yes, we need to do this because every time we get an inch of rain, we're out there, you know, for a couple hours a day, just trying to get these things playable. Um, Peter, I know some of your courses just went went through some bunker renovations. In fact, my own course, Carrollwood here in Tampa, just just had some bunker work done yeah. to it. So, what are some of the things that you guys are looking for? Some of the systems that you're you're putting in place with the concert properties. Yeah, I mean, um, Bill and Dean probably could talk at more length and expertise than me, but I would say we've, we've been putting Billy Bunkers in at a number of our locations. You know, we're looking to make a big impact on the quality of the bunkers, the playability, you know, the way they look, the way they play, that, and then what they said before about cutting down on the labor hours to having your guys spend all their time fixing drainage and wash out and shoring up the sand in the bunkers. That's a nightmare, right? And so we've been doing some of that. And then, of course, right when we meet a private club, they usually have a wish list of capital improvement projects that the board's been thinking about assessing their members for and doing a big project. I would say most of the time, not not even just some of the time, most of the time on the board's list nowadays is we got to do a bunker renovation throughout the golf course. Okay, we'll do it. And so that's a pretty common issue for us. Yeah, I bet it is. Billy Bunker, let's talk about that. Can you guys break down for, for folks that aren't initiated and in what makes a Billy Bunker a Billy Bunker and, and, and what the technology is there? Well, there's there's the Billy Bunker, which, which we certainly... Uh, it's very similar to the capillary concrete, so those two are very similar. One use they use an aggregate, uh, and then the one aggregate's coated. The other one is a concrete, and but that Billy Bunker is is, is lined with that that aggregate. All the drainage is done underneath it, and and the whole purpose of that is that there, that vertical movement of that water through that aggregate. And rather than when it rains really hard and off that flashed up face, it goes down vertically through that stone so it doesn't wash out that face. And there's no contamination. 
and this goes back to just keeping the system clean and the bunker sand. You can look at you can look at one of those type liner bunkers and look stand in the fairway and look out and go, boy, did you just put new sand in your bunkers? And and sand could be three four years old. Wow. So you 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 really your investment and the superintendent was talking about tasking and doing the, the the labor that return on that investment if you if you do not have to spend on sand and drainage and labor that return on investment is three to five years I don't know what you Peter have penciled it out but it's pretty quick when you start talking about flashed up bunkers too yeah that sounds about right yeah. Yeah, that's quick. That's that's worth doing for sure. Um, uh, looking for the silver bullet on issues is uh, cashing a false dream. <laughs> um, it's it, what what are, what does that mean to you guys? Well, I I hear it all the time, and when I when I go into uh, you know to golf courses where it's you know everyone's excited because whether it's you know one thing that's going to make their golf course better, and what what I try to explain to them is that. It's never one thing, but it's a combination of things that'll make your golf course better. And that is always something that's been it's been hard with with uh, uh, I guess individuals that have been waiting for a while to get something done. And when they get that done, they think everything's going to be perfect at their golf course. So we just try to help them understand that. You know, an example would be green speed we talked about earlier. Uh, to get those green speeds, you've got to make sure that all your cultural practices and your fertility and your chemical practices are all in line to get to that end goal. You know, it's a lot of times POA has been out there as the, the enemy of a, you know, a bent grass green, and everyone's looking for that silver bullet. It, it, there's just not one thing in, in that statement. It's all the things you do together to get to that one level. Mm, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's what Bill bring it up. That's what's tough about this business, and what makes it so technical is that, you know, it's not just one thing. You you could have shade being an issue, traffic coming off a of green shade. Uh, it could be under fertility. It could be poor soils below the ground. So you got to make sure that your superintendent is putting it through that filter and understanding that you got to look at all those negative inputs that would impact that left side of that green. And, and work towards repairing those things so that, that you have a healthy part of that grain. So good way to look at it, though. It's usually more than one thing. Yeah. We just had the tournament over at Riviera, the Genesis Open, a couple of weeks ago, and I know that they've been cutting down a lot of trees on that course because they're just starting to um, get old. Some of those, uh, I think they're sycamores, or there's a specific tree at Riviera anyways. But I know that a, a lot of members out there, they, they probably come and say, you know, why we got to cut down all these trees on the course? What's your answer to that, gentlemen? We've had some pretty heated discussions <laughs> golf courses about trees. And, and I think when you look at, uh, you know, a superintendent that's trying to grow grass, a tree can become an issue. Uh, but at the same time, they're aesthetically pleasing. They have a, you know, they really uh, set the, the tone for a golf course. So it's really important that you understand that when you go out, you just – you don't take a, a chainsaw to things. You take more of a scalpel approach where you're looking at, you know, what is the issue, how is this tree affecting that issue, and dis- making decisions with the board on is it a, just a trimming exercise we have to go through in this tree or is it is a removal, and do we replace that with other trees and having a plan more in place. And with technology these days, uh, there's certainly great apps. Uh, Sunseeker is one app we use that you can actually track the line or the basically the sun movement 
on the green so you can look at the trees with a board member and show them, hey, these are really affecting us at this time of year and work to uh, try to rectify those issues to be able to have healthier turf. Yeah, Bill, what Bill's, what Bill's bringing up there on Sunseeker, you actually can stand on the portion of the green that is a problem, bring up the Sunseeker, and it's GPS-driven, and you can watch the sun. Whether it, you're, You could be in December, but you want to see June. You can bring June up and find out where the sun s- settles so you know what limbs you've got to take out. So, so the technology has helped you to, to go in there and just take you know, the right limb that hangs out over the green or something versus taking the whole tree down anymore. So that's a great app for the greens chairman to, to have the superintendent use to help sell that story or take that, that, a little bit of that tree down. That sounds very helpful. Uh, Gabe, this is Peter. We, uh, we were at a club in the upper Midwest recently that will go nameless, <laughs> and I can just testify to how contentious these tree issues can get on a lot of boards. This was a club that had a famous PGA Tour pro as one of its members, so he obviously knows a lot about golf course, and he might have even been a, a designer of it. Um, and, and he said, we got to take out a bunch of trees. we got shading and difficulty with a bunch of our greens on the back nine. That's the sort of typical issue. The members were so up in arms about all these trees that some of the trees were named after club members, and it got very emotional and personal. It got to the point where the board members I was meeting with literally deferred this tree removal project for several years. They were so afraid to even bring it up at a town hall meeting that, you know, they basically get the tomatoes thrown at them. And so they just ducked the whole tree removal issue for several years. Wow. That's how personal it can get. Yeah. Some some trees are named after folks that have passed and things like that. So what was the solution over there, Peter? I think they finally just cut through it. They put the PGA Tour Pro up on the uh, town hall meeting. They brought in top agronomists, guys like Bill and Dean, and said, guys, this is you know, this is not an emotional issue. If we if we don't do some culling of the trees here, we're not going to have greens anymore. Right. Yeah. And you're not going to be able to play golf on this top-notch golf course. So let's just move past that. And I think they finally got through it, but it just shows you kind of what you're dealing with when you have three or four hundred people trying to make agronomic decisions, much less <laughs> a board of 10 or 12 people who have no agronomic degrees or right. expertise, but they just feel strongly, right? right. And everyone, everyone thinks they, they know what should be happening to the golf course, including <laughs> someone like me. But that's why you bring in Bill and Dean and our top agronomists. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't pretend to know anything, especially after, like I said, reading through what these guys go through on a daily basis. It's so over my head. It's incredible. It sounds like there's some technology, though, that's coming into the industry to really shed some light and, and really inform decisions. Would that be a the consistent statement for you guys? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we've done some uh, tree studies and, and for different golf courses where we come in and use that app. Uh, and basically, as Dean was saying, Looking at it from more of a lens of, hey, we're just not going to come in and take them all out. How do we selectively go through and and make sure the right trees are taken out for the biggest benefit? And in some cases, it, we talk about the type of grass they have. And is it the right grass suited for this you know, area? And is there a change that may need to happen? So help them in more of the long-term planning on the capital side. Mm, yeah, it's so important. Well, last point I want to touch on before we wrap up, guys, is the... the another huge expense and something that maybe needs a little bit more careful thought and planning 
is uh, equipment costs. Uh, these these mowers aren't getting any cheaper, and the other all the other machines that are running on a golf course. So, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it, it, from my point of view, and I know Dean will have some thoughts on this. Is it is just amazing the cost <laughs> that's happening on equipment side, and some of it absolutely warranted for all the technology changes and things they've been able to do to improve the quality of cut and the efficiencies of these equipment. But it is very, very expensive. And I think when we get to properties and look at it, it's really important that uh, we look at finding the right piece of equipment for that golf course. You're making such a large investment, you want to make sure that not only it's the right piece, but even from there, you're going to be able to take care of it and maintain it to get the longest life out of it. Uh, but we also have been able to work with uh, our national accounts, and I know Peter has his also, where we work toward the warranty side and the training and park discounts so that we try to keep that cost in control. But it's just critical to find the right piece of equipment that is going to do what you want it to do on the golf course. I bet. Yeah, and to kind of, to kind of build off of Bill's a little bit is that, you know, a, a soup, soups, man, they love equipment. We all love equipment. There's no doubt about it, and we got we we need the equipment for everything that takes place on a golf course. But it's making sure that you're putting that that equipment that you're trying to ask for. You put it through that filter. You know what is the real need? You know it, there's probably three or four other pieces of equipment and some that cost less that might do the same kind of job and have similar longevity. So you've got to make sure that you, somebody else is reviewing that that, that they're, you're putting that through that filter to make sure you're making the right decision because some of this stuff is is ninety to a hundred thousand dollars they got they got gps sprayers now that you literally you can sit on that sprayer not touch the steering wheel and it'll go through the fairway the nozzles will come on and off and then shut back and it'll turn and go the other way on bentgrass fairway so the technology coming from the ag coming from ag it's starting to go into turf quite a bit now but that that's that added expense that you had on them so you got to make sure you have you still have a lot of great sprayers but they don't have to all drive themselves too so you got to make sure that you're putting it through that filter when you make those decisions yeah absolutely yeah uh peter i'm sure you've gone into some some clubs around the country that probably had some worn out pieces (laughs) tell us a little about any, any stories come to mind there yeah, it's a big part of our process when we get to a club um, is sending our agronomy team out to work with the super, send them out to the maintenance building. What do you got in terms of pieces? What have you been doing? And it varies all over the yard. We get groups that have been overzealous in their purchase of all the latest and greatest. Everything is brand spanking new, and it's, it's probably a little bit of overkill, but there's you know not much agronomic expertise overseeing them uh other clubs you know they're strained for cash uh everyone always asks the golf course maintenance department to cut back and so they're yeah they're making do with some old equipment and and just trying to keep up but they really need some new stuff so it, it really varies um it's almost always a topic of um of of need from the super super always wants more toys sure uh like bill and dean were saying and so you know it, it just varies but we try to make make a uh, good relationship with the superintendent and and then I think the boards that I deal with at least they're all pretty glad uh in a transition like we do with these member owned clubs they're pretty glad that the experts are coming in to take over when our VP of agronomy Danny Gwynn arrives or guys like Bill and Dean arrive it's pretty obvious to these board members who are typically pretty successful business people that the experts have arrived 
and we've been volunteering and part-timing it, but we don't have any actual expertise at doing this. So you guys take the baton on the golf course issues. Yeah, that, that's a wise decision for boards who go that route, I'd say. <laughs> I can barely uh, mow my own lawn. I, I, I started hiring a crew after I had to re-turf it twice. <laughs> I gave up. <laughs> <laughs> so I, most people are probably like me, I'm guessing. Um, guys, I, I really enjoyed this conversation. If folks want to find out more about Golf Maintenance Solutions, how do they go about doing that? They go to www.golfmsolutions.com. That's, that's our website, and it'll give you a lot of information on our company and uh, the things that we could do for you. It's a whole list of a la carte of diff- different types of services we offer, and then it'll give you a little bit of more history of our company, too. So great place to go. We'd love to, if anyone is interested, they, they absolutely can pick up our number for there and call. And, and a lot of times we talk to a lot of different golf courses and just give some advice. Uh, you know, if we don't end up working with them, we certainly are more than willing to open to talk about things with them. Very cool. Uh, so definitely check out what Dean and Bill are doing over at Golf Maintenance Solutions. Check out their website. Peter, thank you for coming on. Uh, anything you want to say before we wrap things up? This is great, Bill and Dean. Thanks for joining. I always learn a lot about agronomy when I'm around you guys. So thanks for sharing some time with us. Yeah, enjoyed it, guys, very much. Enjoyed it. Thank you. Make sure to check out ConcertGolfPartners.com to learn about what they're doing, helping inject fresh capital into private clubs out there. Peter, thank you for being on the show and for doing this with us every month, sir. Great. Thank you, Gabe. Well, now you're better equipped to go have that next Greens Committee meeting. Thank you once again to Concert Golf Partners for their support of this show for the last couple of years. And really for everything that Peter and his team do for this industry, educating and enlightening us. Just a great partner to have. I'll see you back here, guys, next week. Until then, here's to your membership success. Private Club Radio is brought to you by Concert Golf Partners, helping to preserve and enhance private golf and country clubs. Concert Golf has the capital, expertise, and private club hospitality experience to help upscale private clubs achieving long-term success and membership growth. For 25 years, Concert Golf has allowed private club members to focus on simply enjoying their club. Visit ConcertGolfPartners.com to learn more about the recapitalization process.